When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We are your hosts, James and Anthony. This episode will be on House of the Dragon, Episode 3, Two Targaryen Hunts. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. Game of Thrones is back and in full tilt, and I love this show. I love this world, and so far, episode three is one of the highlights of the season, and they're doing a terrific job. Hut D is Hut awesome, D. guys. This episode blew me away. Damon and Targaryen. I'm like already going to get a tattoo of this guy's face on my back. My ultimate, ulti- already my favorite Game of Thrones House of Dragon character of all time. This guy is sick. He's a toxic Jon Snow, and I'm here for it. And they, <laughs> they bookended this episode so brilliantly with Damon Targaryen's battle against the Crab Feeder and his men. And it was such an epic episode. So much went into this as well. We have two hunts, basically. Damon's hunt of the Crab Feeder and Corlys' hunt of the Crab Feeder, as well as King Viserys and his traditional hunt after the son of his newborn baby, where two years forward... After the birth of his son, Aegon, his t- second birthday, it's a tradition to go for a hunt to try to find a prized animal to kill, to give. They're going to hunt it. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to they're gonna seek out an animal and, and they're, they're going to end gonna, its life. End its life as a way to, <laughs> as a way to sort of bless his son coming yeah. into the world as, for good luck. I don't know about you, but the entire episode, I was like, is, is Viserys going to get impaled by antlers just like robert did i keep I was like thinking he's gonna die I, well because that's how robert died in early in season one of game of thrones is robert baratheon died during the hunt and i was like oh my god is that gonna happen to this king too so i was at un, i was uneased the whole time about viserys dying during some kind of accident during the hunt he just seems so unwell in addition to that mentally unstable at the at this point getting because trashed of, because of yes he has his son but the stress that he's being dealt with in this show so far see episode three it's been a few years but since he's named Renera heir and everyone is just hounding him to figure out who's gonna be heir is he gonna name Aegon heir they're trying to marry uh he's everyone's trying to get him to marry his daughter Renera off to them to try to strengthen his kingdom in his bloodline and he's dealing with that he's dealing with Renera who's basically becoming estranged to him and now the son everyone's like is he good? obviously he's gonna name Aegon the heir to the throne so he's just dealing with so much you can see he's like on the verge of a breakdown but also he, he has so much regret and he's even beginning to question if he even made the right decision of marrying Allison and, and fathering children with her so quickly because it's already putting so much of a a, a wall between him and Renera, and you can clearly see that because he he raised Rhaenyra 
and he's recently understood that like he was never treated her like a full child and because he was always looking for the son he was obsessed with finding the heir finding a son to succeed him and he realized that he kind of left his daughter by the wayside but now you can see the the great amount of regret and patty constantine did a wonderful job performing in this episode. He was the highlight actor of this episode by far. He's a very talented guy. But you can see how, how heavy it's weighing on him and how poorly he treated his own daughter. And you and he loves her. And you you can see that. And I love how by the end of the episode when like and when, when Jason Lannister is like, Well, you're gonna name Aegon your heir, right? And he's like and he's like, Really, when am I gonna do that? Huh? When am I gonna do that? <laughs> so I I like how he's becoming defensive about Renera being the the success the succeeder of his throne now that he's having the first born son. And he's like it's weighing on his conscience because the tradition is a woman can't sit on the Iron Throne, but also he's like I love my daughter. I made a promise to her. And in a way, if I betray that, I'm, betray- I'm betraying my family. I'm betraying my wife who died, who I helped kill be- to try to get that son out of her. And so it's it's a very complex character who's going through so much. On top of that, all the politics, his brother and Corliss are losing their war. And they only went to war as like a rebellious act against Viserys and his, Ill- and his wishes and his will. And so he his two most powerful generals you could say are rebelling against his own decision so it's he's in a bad situation as a king and you can tell it he seems to generally want Renera to be content he really does want her to be happy it seems and but he's re- torn between tradition exactly yeah. he's like even i don't stand above tradition why which is why he's trying to get Renera to marry somebody and somebody soon and Renera, for the last two years after the birth of aegon has now felt like she's taken a back seat. She's going to be skipped over, and she's just dealing with that deep down and just trying to hold it in as best as she can, but she can't help but lash out and start to get estranged from her father. But I really loved the final conversation that they had in the room with the council table where he's telling her, like, you have to marry. This is part of being a queen. This is part of being a queen. This is part of bolstering your strength as a bloodline. You have to have – you must get married. You must have children. You must – multiply you that's the only way to like get rabbits you that's the only way to strengthen your position if you want to maintain where we are at the throne because we're so vulnerable at this point and so he accepts the fact that he can't marry her off to somebody that he selects whether it be the lannister is going to casterly rock the jamie lannister i mean wh- jason jason lannister who's Sir Jason, complete yeah. asshole. Yeah. He's so prideful. It's it's, it's his, what's up. Uh, he's like says, worse. He's just like Jamie in a lot of ways. Viserys says his pride has pride, yeah. and they're twins actually too. But he gives Viser he gives Viserys gives Rhaenyra his blessing to marry somebody from who she chooses. She chooses, but he's just telling her like, I know you're upset, but I'm not going to skip you. But I'm trying to let you know that even though you don't want to get married. I didn't want to remarry, but it's part of this position. It's part of strengthening your kingdom. You must get married at some point. Otherwise, you will be attacked. You will be vulnerable, and someone will try to take you over. Yeah, and I, I really I, – I like Rhaenyra a lot in this show so far. And also, she's like she, – she's an angsty teen. She's only 17, you know? 10 and 7 ten, years. 10 and 7 years. And like her her father says that he was that old when he was married to her her mother, who he ended up falling in love with. But he's, she's like, that's that's not like a a defense that you can use to get me to marry someone just because you fell in love with the woman you were like set to betroth doesn't mean I'll be happy with the person that you set me up to to marry. And I like how 
She has a, a big, fierce, rebellious spirit. I love the sequence with her and Kristen on their own. I think the guy who plays Kristen is really a great actor. He, this is the first time we saw him have some a good amount of dialogue to say, other than a few things here and there, as a King's Guardsman. And you can tell those two, Renera and Kristen, they're going to be strong allies because she made, she made Kristen a, a King's Guard. She selected him, and it changed his life and made his family respected name for the first time ever. And so... I think that Renera and Kristen are going to have a very strong connection and bond for most of this show. And I think that Kristen is going to be a really strong ally for her going forward. There's a lot of other crazy things going on in the show. So in the last episode we had where Corliss was trying to court his 12-year-old daughter for Viserys' hand in marriage to strengthen their families, which was disturbing to watch politics. And then this episode, like I said, so many... Families from the realm are trying to get Rhaenyra's hand in marriage and saying proposals constantly. Viserys says that he gets letters every day about it. And everyone's offering up, like, their sons to Rhaenyra in marriage. And then Otto, who... This guy is so conniving. He's just got so many things going on. The political savvy of this guy. First, he sends his his daughter in to Viserys' chamber to to court him. And they eventually get married. And now he's... The grandson of what he thinks is the future heir of the realm. He's the grandfather of the future heir. And then what did I say? Grandson. I said the grandsire. 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 Yeah. That's what I meant to say of the future of who he thinks is the 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 heir. But then he offers because Viserys is going through so much stress over everyone constantly trying to find the right suitor for Rhaenyra. He suggests Aegon and Rhaenyra. <laughs> combine combine and become married, betrothed, and betrothed for the realm and the kingdom. It's disturbing two year old yeah like he's two years old what's wrong with you man (laughs) but there's so much going on but i also between auto and illicit i feel like illicit there's so much more going on that we haven't seen yet i think that she's playing both sides so well i think she's putting on this act of innocence for a while and she's secretly making moves behind the audience's back and behind viserys's back and even behind Otto's back of what she's going to do, go, be going forward for the rest of the season and her future of her character. Because it seems like this act of being just purely innocent, I'm just a happy, dutiful wife. It seems like she's more complex than that. And I think she has more going on. Oh, yeah. And that, she, that actress is doing a good job. It's a complicated role because she's very subtle and nuanced with things she's doing, like body language wise. But you can tell, especially in the last episode, but this episode as well. She is playing both sides. She's trying to still be friendly with Renera. She's trying to be a good wife, and she's trying to be a dutiful daughter. I have a feeling she's going to betray Otto at some point in Maybe a big betray way. Maybe Viserys, because the last conversation she has with Viserys in the episodes before Viserys and Renera's conversation, she says, we just have to make Renera think that she's making this decision for yeah. who she wants to marry. So I feel like that conversation obviously led to Viserys making his decision to let give Renera his blessing of choosing her she, own marriage. She has influence suitor. over him, yeah. And Otto even's like Otto's like talks to Alicent and he's like, you need to talk this dude into uh smoothing things over and she does it successfully. So she does have sway in in terms of trying to convince Viserys to do things and think certain ways. I think she's gonna be a really great manipulator uh for the rest of the sh- rest of the series. And I'm fascinated to see when Olivia Cook takes over um, and she's, she becomes more uh, mature and um, an older person with much more experience in manipulation. I think she might be a really dangerous foe for Renera. In terms of like when I'm looking at the show, 
right off the bat, for me, I feel like Renera is like the hero of the show in kind a way. Of, I yeah. kind of take her side in a lot of ways. She's sort of like the Jon Snow yeah, she, character. Yeah, she is like, for me, I agree, like a Jon Snow-esque character. And in addition to all that, what was it? Okay, there's great symbology in this episode as well. So the whole King's Hunt is to try to find a great prize in the woods to basically bless Aegon's second year of life, his second namesake day. And there's word from the Kingsguard and his, his men that they've they've spotted a white stag, which is a great symbol from the gods that are going to bless Aegon. And they end up finding just kind of a normal stag. Yeah, and a brown the, stag. And the king yeah. kills it. They seem disappointed by it, but they do But also it. the king, he fails the first time he tries to kill it, mm-hmm. and he just wounds it, and then he has to kill it again. But then the white stag appears in front of Rhaenyra. So great symbology of the gods are choosing Rhaenyra as the the correct choice for the next leader of the realm. It's like the Targaryens of that animal. Basically, yeah. <laughs> it's like the direwolf. <laughs> but I think it's interesting. I think Viserys struggling to kill the animal that's being held down by ropes. It's a, it's a great metaphor for him as a king, a man who kind of fails to act. He's indecisive. He has a he. I think he ultimately has a deep, a good heart deep down. So maybe he didn't even want to kill the beast at first. But he and Patty played it so well. It looked like he just didn't even want to be there, but he had to. It's part of the tradition. It's part of the show for the men to see this happen. And I think it was a really great metaphor for him struggling. He stabs it, and then the, the soldiers like, actually, sir, a little more to the left the second time. It's a great metaphor for the character. And he has a confession moment with Renera as well, where he admits that, like, with all the the political drama that's lifted up, that's created now with Aegon being born, and now he's got another child coming on the way. He's he tells Renera, like, I never expected to remarry again. I never wanted to. But that's tradition. So I know you feel like you're going to be usurped by your half brother, but I just want to make a promise to you that you will, you are my heir, and I will not skip over you. It's a nice confession. It's, yeah. a, it's a nice moment, but still, like, part of me doesn't fully trust Viserys. I don't. You don't trust Allison. I don't trust anyone yeah, in the show. Yeah, Game of Thrones. You shouldn't trust anyone Except at all. Except for Renera. Obviously, she seems to be the hero. And then Kristen Cole. They have a great. He seems like a great. They have a great episode like cool together dude. where yeah. he definitely he chases after her. They kill the wild boar. I can't wait to finally see some Kristen Cole action. I yeah. know they're holding out on us. I was hoping he's the best warrior in the realm. So so we're gonna yeah. see some awesome. He, yeah, stuff. he defeated Damon in in the battle. So, but Kristen Cole is considered the best fighter at this moment in Westeros. But speaking of warriors, let's get to <laughs> Damon and Corlys and their failing war against the crab. I love the time jump. Yeah, I think it worked stones. really well. There is one con to this episode where we saw a lot of it in Game of Thrones episode seven and eight. I mean, season seven and eight, where we got a lot of character teleportation. We have Viserys's. Sending a messenger to bring to tell Damon that he's going to send aid to the Stepstones for Damon. He got there in like a scene. It's like several hundred miles away, but it's the show. Well, no. So, um, my guess they probably didn't show it. They probably sent a raven. No, and, the guy showed up. No. Well, my my guess is they sent a raven, and that raven delivered the message to maybe where the army was chilling, and that was a messenger part of Damon's army. I That's it was my the, guess. I thought it was the same guy. That's my guess. I have to rewatch it. Yeah. Re-watch. Someone let someone confirm with us whether it was the same guy that Viserys gave the message to was the same mm-hmm. guy that showed up to Damon. Maybe. But uh, that was a great moment because they they have a week left. That's what Corl is saying. We have a fortnight before we were out of supplies, and we basically are going to lose this battle against the crab feeder and, and his it, men. And you can tell they said they don't explain it. They don't have to have characters telling you what the situation is. You can see. Just from how the scenes are laid out and, and and eventually revealed is the crab guy's army. What's his name? Crab feeder. Crab feeder. His army. They're hiding in these caverns. 
Um, off, and even uh, so, there's no way that the dragon can get to them. There's no way that it's just like it's they're sieged. So it's it's a hard it's hard to take down an enemy that's um, burrowed within a, a secluded and very sealed off area for two years. They've yeah. been in there, and even Corliss's ships are taking a beating. He can't even get his ships inside this port yeah. area. You can see the destruction of so many sunken ships around, and then one gets taken up by yeah. those flying fireballs. That's what I love about the show is they they don't over explain they don't have to put too much exposition they just show they're showing us we have a really great long take of ships trying to approach the coast and then getting attacked by the men hiding within the caverns and along the cliff side that's all we need to know that we don't need to we don't need characters saying we've been fighting for three years and we haven't done anything (laughs) we can't even move forward and like we're failing like i think so many other writers and shows that would have like overcompensated trying to spoon feed the audience what the situation is but what I really like about this show, and Game of Thrones writers have always been really good about this, is I'm not over-explaining, not using too much exposition, showing rather than telling, and respecting the audience enough to understand what's going on through what they're showing us. We do get told a bit, though, during this kind of war meeting where it's Lord Corliss, his brother, his son, and then Damon shows up after riding his, his dragon, and you can tell that Damon's just sick of this war. And then he gets the word from the messenger that his brother is sending aid. He almost beats that guy to death. And Corliss ha- has a plan. Like, we need someone to go out there and draw them out. Who's it going to be? Who's going to risk suicide or basically take the suicide mission? As soon as Damon gets that word, that message from his brother, the hops aid, in a yeah. sailboat, goes out to the beach by himself. And this was an epic moment where he's waving the white flag, raising his sword as an act of surrender, which was a ploy. It was a fake surrender. He goes to town, kills a ton of dudes, got the arrows coming down on. This scene was awesome. I was screaming. Yeah. I was like, let's go, once he Damon. Pulled, once he pulled out his dagger and sliced Damon, that guy's, I was like, I, yes. I knew. I was like, there's no way this guy's surrendering. Yeah. It was an Matt Smith did a really good job. And also the actor playing Lord Corliss, because he's older, he did a great job with the, yeah, with the physicality as well. So I think both actors, it was great to see them actually fighting. It was a great plan. Yeah. So what... what um. Damon was able to do was draw the crab feeder and all of his men out of these caves and caverns so that they could use the smoke as a shield against Lord Corliss's men coming out to the battle. And then also Lord Corliss's son, because they saw that Damon was there without his dragon, they thought yeah. it was safe, but they didn't realize that Lord Corliss's son, he, he also has a dragon. He's also a dragon rider as well. So they took out the crab feeder and his men. I thought it was so cool how when Damon followed the crab feeder into the cave, we don't see what happens in that to, battle. Yeah. He just drags out his half-cut-off corpse oh my God, down so good. out of the cavern, covered in blood, ready to show everybody what he's done. Yeah, and they didn't, you didn't need to see them fight because I think without even... The audience knows that Damon's a great warrior and he would kill them one-on-one no problem. And the crab feeder, I mean, he's probably a good fighter, but he's not on the caliber of someone who's so highly trained as a Targaryen warrior prince... And so I'm so glad we didn't see it because it was just a great shot silhouette of Damon leaving the cave and he's he's dragging something and it takes you a second. Then you're like, oh, my God, he's holding an arm and a part of a torso. And I was like, this is amazing. This is so good. The crab feeder was an interesting character and I'm yeah. glad they killed him off not too late because I feel like it's a character that's not that big of a threat that you like if they drew it out for like a season or two, yeah. I would have been like kind of sick of the crab feeder. Interesting villain and antagonist though because he seems to have been be someone who's been burned by dragon fire before Definitely. his entire yeah. body's burned. He wears that mask and he's always on the lookout for dragons in the sky so you can tell he probably has an intense animosity towards the Targaryens because one of them burned him up for sure. 
And also, you see the true stubbornness of a Targaryen. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's so stubborn, he's going to risk his life rather than accept help from his brother. And this it's was so such great. a big moment for Corlys and Daemon because now they didn't need Viserys' help to win the yeah. war. They've won the war themselves, so they don't. They can refuse his allyship right now. They had this look at the end, both Corlys and Daemon, and there was like a mutual understanding amongst them in their eyes. You could see it. They were like, yeah, bro, we and got this. I can't wait to see what's going forward because the teaser for the rest of the season showed Daemon coming back to King's Landing. I didn't watch it. Don't tell oh, me. okay, sorry. Yeah. I'm, I, I assume he's coming back to King's Landing. Comes back but, to King's Landing. But don't, don't spoil anything else. It looks pretty great. But man, what an ending. What a bookend with Daemon Targaryen. The guy spoke one line of dialogue this whole episode. Yeah. That's what was so amazing about it. Yeah. We just, you, don't, you don't need him to constantly be saying stuff because Matt Smith's a great actor, great writer. All in his face. It was my, all in his my face. My goodness, what yeah. a crazy cool character. I'm obsessed with Daemon Targaryen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited moving forward. I think the show is doing a wonderful job with character development. It's really well balanced with, you know, learning about these characters, slowly revealing their intentions and motivations, but also balancing out with some much-needed gore and action that fans of the show want there's plenty of dragons, but they're not overdoing it. They're not, like, relying on showing jag dragons fighting for the show. You know what I mean? Um, so they're not milking that, which I really like. And I think that the, the story is going in a wonderful direction for everyone. I'm completely on board. I'm very excited going forward. There's gonna this, So this show's this season's going to have 11 episodes. Wow. So it's going to be a long season. So it looks as though... So my prediction was time jump would happen here, but it looks like maybe halfway through the season, the time I, I, jump will I'm happen. I'm guessing like around episode six or seven, yeah, probably. It's yeah, probably six or seven. Yeah. So, so which I'm all for because I think the these the actresses playing Allison and Renera Renera are doing a wonderful job. So I think the more time we have with them, the better. Yeah, and they're just getting more and more complex. I'm telling you, there's something going on with Allison that we're not seeing, and I can't wait to be revealed to the complexity of her schemes because they're there she's, she's scheming she's holding wires you can tell she's she's controlling people she's i don't controlling think i don't think she's controlling her exactly. but i think he's she, mistaken she's definitely controlling yeah. Otto. she's controlling viserys for sure so i can't wait to see behind the curtain of a listen we'll probably get that when she's older can't wait yeah this show is, is going so well i'm really yeah. impressed episode three was sensational i mean it's already better than the first uh few episodes of game of thrones but i mean they that was, yeah yeah that was the new show yeah, you know it was, it was new and they didn't, they didn't have any episode. money yeah this is 20 million dollars per episode yeah, yeah, yeah but man it was incredible it looked great for the last episode i would say there's too much obvious digital screens in the background in episode two especially mm -hmm. like that candle the bridge scene. yeah the, the bridge, bridge was scene. it looked the bridge looked great for me it was the the temple with Renera and Alicent with all the candles and everything mm -hmm. that looked very digital to me with the digital screen background, which is mm -hmm. fine. I mean, it's efficient filmmaking. But this episode it was very flawless, so I think it looked a lot better visually. Yeah, I mean, the, the, all it all took place on that beach, the entire fight and battle, like it was all done there. And so cool. It makes the difference. It really does. Really cool. Mm -hmm. All right, that wraps our review of episode three of House of the Dragon. Stay tuned for next Tuesday for our latest episode on that. Episodes this week. Yesterday on Monday, we did our Return of the Jedi Star Wars episode six recap and review analysis. And then Thursday will be an episode on Anton Chigurh analyzing evil. Saturday, uh, Rings of Power episode three review as well. So, so much coming for you. Get excited, y'all. Get excited. <laughs> Take care. This episode of Raiders of the Lost podcast has been executive produced through Patreon by our amazing Chosen One patrons, Calvin Cam, Lauren Smertz, Cody Moen, John Agras, Tyler McFly, Anthony DeMeo, and Becca Keen. Thank you so much for contributing to our show. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.